Today on CityCast Chicago, we are a theater town. And it's been a year without live theater. From neighborhood storefronts to the Goodman and Court, classic or drunk Shakespeare, black ensemble or community college productions, and all the stages in between. What will it look like when we can all sit together, shoulder to shoulder, feet from the stage, watching a story unfold in front of us? I could see it going a couple of different ways that, you know, we really want just happy, fun, escapist. We've been through, you know, this dark time. But I think there's also going to be a push to do shows that really look at what does it mean to be community. Today is Tuesday, April 27th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. First, a little bit of news, y'all. The census has spoken, and Illinois will lose one of its 18 congressional seats, and uh, if I had to put my money on it, the state will lose one of its five GOP congressmen because Dems control Springfield, and Springfield controls the map. And Chicago Public Schools announced that while high school students continue returning for in-person learning, Chicago cops won't be back in the building this spring. It doesn't bring me joy to have to give you bad news. It really doesn't. But Chosen Few Picnic, Chicago's annual house music festival, won't be in Jackson Park this summer, opting for another year of virtual celebrations. But some good news for the meantime and between time. The Chicago Sky are at training camp for the WNBA's 25th season. Two-time league MVP and the reigning defensive player of the year, Candace Parker, was in the building. Candace, if you hear this, give us a call. Portillo's on us. That's your news for Tuesday, April 27th. Chicago is a theater town. And like all artists, dark stages means playwrights and actors have had to adapt. We talked to Chicago reader, theater critic, Carrie Reed, about what that's looked like. You know, Chicago theater in a live sense has been gone for a year, but you've been watching dozens upon dozens of theaters and creators and performers adapt. Right. What has that looked like for the theater scene? And what have been some of the positives coming out of that? You know, when it first started, I think there was just a lot of like, what do we got in our archives? What can we put something on? And that was, I think, like a gift. Like, we want people to know we're still here. If you want to toss us some money, fine. But we're just putting putting up this video of our show from YouTube. <laughs> I've watched a range of uh, of 720p, 480p. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I was just buffering. Okay, wait, wait I can't. The sound's not good. Um but and actually, I think one of the first companies to really start doing original stuff was the Neo Futurists. So much of their stuff is about constantly having new material ready to go. I couldn't do the Macarena in gym class. I just couldn't do it. I was always two beats behind everyone, staring at my own feet, feeling like an idiot because I was doing the Macarena and not even doing it well. And I still can't get that vaccine website to work. You know, there have been some interesting experiments where people have actually created shows that are really commenting on or using the format of Zoom. One example I keep using is um, Interrobank Theater did a show last fall right around the time of the election called The Spin. And it's about these political consultants who are all on this big 
Zoom call because they're trying to deflect this impending political scandal. And so you have one of the consultants who has to go on with a reporter and there's the chat channel that, I mean, it was, it wasn't live. I mean, but we were very much got the feeling that this is happening live right now. The mayor's office is set to have a live interview on the six o'clock news. Uh, Casey has had a packed schedule today, so we'll be lucky if we get five minutes with her before she has to join the reporter on the stream. Typically, I'd run through scenarios with her, possible gotcha moments. But since we have no time, I'm going to pipe into her live. And it was to me, a perfect example of really leaning into that. And frankly, if it was on stage, it might not have been as interesting. But because they were very much using the medium as as that part of their message, it was really fun. Which companies are closest to getting people back in the seat and people back on stage? You know, that's a good question. I think it's still a moving target. And in some cases, it depends because the bigger theaters like Steppenwolf, Goodman, even I know Second City had said they were hoping to open in May. I haven't heard anything more about that. They have to, you know, work with the fact that they have actors equity contracts and equity is not wanting to let, you know, for understandable reasons and stagehand unions and all of the unions really want to make sure that the environment is safe. I think there are some people planning on doing some outdoor shows. I just got a press release from Northlight and they're doing uh, some like little many musical concerts with like people like Heidi Kettenring and Ife Butler, and they're going to be partnering with different restaurants in their outdoor gardens. So like Peckish Pig, primarily Evanston based or North, you know, uh, Rogers Park. I think there's also that hesitancy because especially for smaller companies, I was talking about this with uh, Kate Pyatt Eckert, who's managing director at Steep Theater. They lost their space and she said, you know, they're, they're obviously going to look around, but said that, you know, I I don't want to rush into opening something because the worst thing that can happen is to spend the money, put up the show, reopen, and then two weeks later, maybe we get another surge or maybe the variant hits and, you know, maybe we're not as protected as we thought and you got to shut down again. Do you suspect that this will forever change the theater experience? Yeah, I think in the same way that it'll change the way we look at a lot of things. I could see it going a couple of different ways that, you know, we really want just happy, fun, escapist. We've been through, you know, this dark time. But I think there's also going to be um, a push to do shows that really look at what does it mean to be community? What does it mean? You know, I think we've seen the best and the worst this year of how people react to each other, you know, and in, in times of duress. I mean, in practical terms, I'm sure theaters will be thinking maybe we should look at smaller cast productions. I mean, that's going to be a reality, I think, for a while for companies coming back. Stay with us. More from our conversation with Carrie Reed next. Hey, it's Simona Licea here. I am the producer at CityCast Chicago, and I'm here to ask you to please rate and review the podcast. It really helps other people find us more easily. And you might be thinking, I'm just sending this into the void. No one's going to listen. I just want to tell you, I personally read each review that we get on Apple Podcasts, and we love hearing from you. We love hearing your thoughts and what you want to hear on the show. So please rate and review us on whatever app you're using. And thank you so much. So, Carrie, besides theater companies adapting, what were some of the other things you saw happening in the theater world? A big thing was the We See You White American Theater movement, which came out around the time of the uh, protests in uh, late May, early June around the, the killings of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And people were, you know, were, were rightfully saying we mouth all the right pieties, but are we actually 
practicing what we preach? Are we putting our money where our mouth is? And I think it's also hard to have more time to sit and think, wait a minute, okay, I'm facing this life-threatening, life-altering thing. Do I want to go back and do this not very exciting play for not very much money when I come back? Or do I want to really shake things up and come back better? It's also led to some new leaders across the Chicago theater scene, especially black leaders, you know, Second City, Mercury Theater, Victory Gardens. What is your hope that this new wave of leadership means for the Chicago theater scene? Yeah, I guess I'm hoping just for work environments that are you know, a little more empathetic, a little more you know, supportive of the idea that it's not just about putting out a product, but that it's about creating community. Ken Matt Martin, who's a, the new artistic director of Victory Gardens, mentioned this when I talked to him a few weeks ago. You know, really long tech rehearsals are these things that really take it out of people. Is that the healthiest way to work, particularly in Chicago, because it's that storefront, gritty, we get it done, we take a lot of pride in that, which is great. But I think that can also lend itself in some unhealthy ways to people kind of denying some of you know, what, what's going on? Like, oh, this is just how we always do it. It's like, well, but do you need to do it that way? I mean, you know, maybe there's some adjustments we can we can make so that people get paid more or, you know, have time for a healthier life and family and, you know, a little bit more input into the creative process or whatever it might be. Carrie, thank you so much. Thank you so much. A pleasure to be here. Before I let you go, I wanted to wish a very, very special birthday to our lead producer, Carrie Shepard. I know I speak for the entire CityCast team and probably all your former colleagues when I say, Carrie, your energy, your leadership, your humor, and your random ass improvised songs make every day on the cast that much more enjoyable. I appreciate you, I'm grateful, and I'm wishing you a happy birthday. That's our show for Tuesday, April 27th. Remember. Sign up for the daily newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace.